On today's Locked On Pistons episode, we'll be talking with Ben Golliver, who was at the Team USA versus Select Team scrimmage, where Cade Cunningham appeared to play really well. We'll ask him how it went for Cade, what was his takeaways in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. In today's episode, we're going to be joined by Ben Golliver, Washington Post National NBA writer. His new book, Bubble Ball, Inside the NBA's Fight to Save a Season. He also has his own podcast, Greatest of All Time. Ben, thank you for coming on, man. So over this past week, Kay Cunningham has joined the select team. They played a scrimmage versus the USA team, and the select team won. There was a lot of talk about how Kay Cunningham played. We did hear um, from Steve Kerr. We heard from some players. We got some clips, but a lot of us, obviously, 99% of us, were not there. Um, and there was, it wasn't streamed live either, but you were there. So what was your takeaway from Kay Cunningham's performance? Well, first of all, despite not beating, being there, I feel like probably for you and your listeners, this was like Pistons Christmas, like the best day of the last three years, <laughs> right? Was. Am I right? Yes. I, I'm just basing that off of all the messages I was getting on Twitter. I mean, I could not believe the outpouring of uh, excitement, but I actually do believe it because we've all been waiting for Cade for a really long time. And you get all these doctored photos coming out and all this weird stuff over the summer, and you're like, Okay, this guy's a number one pick. He was getting called the next Luca, the next Harder. We knew he was going to be a big time player. He was awesome in college. So, you know, where's he been? What's he up to? What's he going to look like? And just to kind of paint the picture, I mean, they hold these scrimmages at UNLV. Um, you know, essentially there are NBA personnel, general managers, uh, you know, scouts that can sit and watch the entire practices. You know, basically, if you get invited by Steve Kerr and the coaching staff or USA Basketball. And they let the media in typically for like the last half an hour of the practice. And that's almost always when they do five on five full court scrimmage. And so they had the, you know, the varsity team, so to speak, the the World Cup team scrimmage that select team on two days on Friday and then again on Saturday. And it was a four day camp. So they kind of just got their feet wet on Thursday. And then it was a non-contact practice on Sunday because they were playing this game on Monday. They didn't want anybody to get hurt, basically. So it was sort of a doubleheader Friday and Saturday for, for these scrimmages. And, um, you know, what really stood out from that Friday scrimmage that got everybody talking so much was the energy level from the select team. And that's not uncommon. You know, a lot of time those guys will come in with chips on their shoulders. Sometimes they were passed over for spots. Sometimes they're just trying to make a statement. They're not necessarily committed to this entire six-week process of going to the FIBA World Cup. So they can kind of, you know, have their energy and get it out of their system and do it in front of the media uh, in these scrimmages. Whereas I think a lot of times the World Cup team's pacing itself a little bit, right? Because they know they've got these exhibition games coming up. They don't necessarily want to get too hurt. And, and after all, it's only scrimmages. But um, what we saw immediately in those scrimmages was the select team playing a lot harder. 
and they were putting the ball in Cade Cunningham's hands a lot. And, and it's sort of almost as like a, a decoy in a sense of we want you to play like Luca for Slovenia. We want you to play a, a high usage style like a Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, might play for Canada. And we just want to see how the FIBA World Cup defense handles that situation. And what we saw from Cade was that he was just a really, really tough matchup for this particular group. Because if you look at their guards, Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Halliburton, Anthony Edwards, all those guys are much shorter than Cade Cunningham, right? And then when you look at their wings, Mikhail Bridges, Brandon Ingram, Cade's got kind of a, a strength advantage on those guys too, right? So they were rotating different players on Cade, just kind of on the perimeter, uh, in an attempt to slow him down, just to kind of you know break up the offensive rhythm. And you know how Cade is. He's got this great pace to his game. He's got good strength on the ball. He's got a really quality handle. And he always has an idea of where he's trying to go, right? He knows how to break people down off the dribble and get to his spots in the paint. And he was doing that for his own offense. And then he was also running some really, uh, I would say, smooth and efficient pick and roll with Jalen Duran, obviously his teammate uh, there with the Pistons. And they were just giving it to the the FIBA World Cup team. I mean, consistently scoring. And it wasn't just those two guys. You know, you go down the list, Jalen Williams with the Thunder uh, played pretty well. Um, I would say Peyton Pritchard actually had a few moments as well, just hitting some outside shots. Jalen Green finished one nice lob dunk. So it was a group effort. This wasn't like a complete one-man takeover. But if you were going to say, you know, who was the best guard in the gym for that you know, series of uh, scrimmages on Friday, the answer would have been Kate. I mean, he outplayed basically everybody else who was there. And it, it was really the the vision of what we thought he was going to be when, when he went number one overall is just this big dynamic playmaker who kind of a point guard in a wings body who just attracts so much attention and uh, creates mismatches every time he's on the court. So have you, if you haven't, that's okay. But have you heard, what have you heard from other people that were there? Have they talked about K? Did you hear anything from um, some of the uh, GM scouts, whatever that you said were led in the gym? Were some other writers, national writers, talking about it? I know um, one of the writers with the Athletic wrote an article interviewing Steve Kerr, talking about how Steve Kerr wanted him to do like a Luca impersonation. Um, have yep. you heard anything from other people that were kind of wild from K's performance? Well, there was a couple of different ways you could look at that, kind of read it between the lines. I mean, first of all, you had Steve Kerr being very complimentary. You had a number of other players just saying, hey, Kate had a good game. And you don't want to put too much on this necessarily because we're only talking about a half an hour or 45 minute scrimmage and uh, guys will have good days. Guys will have bad days. You know, Chet, I happen to be a huge Chet Holmgren guy. He just couldn't hit a shot. Right. So if you're coming away from that scrimmage, you're saying, well, he was, you know, probably one of the worst players on the court. And maybe that's not indicative of exactly where he is in his development. Right. Uh, but for Cade, he was getting um, he was getting love from a guy like Anthony Edwards. And then he was also kind of making Anthony Edwards upset with how the, the FIBA World Cup team played. He was like, man, we got to get it together. We were trash out there. You know, we got to like come back and play better the next day. And that's a sign of respect in its own way. Right. It's like we got to step up and kind of meet this challenge. The one thing I did hear people, you know, kind of buzzing about was on Saturday, uh, you know, the World Cup team came back and just smacked the select team. They played three scrimmages. They won all three. And it was sort of like the, um, the, the, the FIBA World Cup team was trying to restore order to kind of remind everybody like, hey, you know, we're, we're the team that's supposed to be here. We're the team that's going to be going to the Philippines to try to win this thing. And I did hear that some of the players who were defending Cade 
were taking it really personal on Saturday. They were doing sort of like the Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen thing against Tony Kukoc. You probably remember that from the last dance. They were giving Kate a little bit of that business because, you know, they were thinking, hey, you know, he's getting all this love on the internet for how well he played. Uh, we got to make sure he understands, you know, who we are too. So that's the ultimate sign of competitive respect in my, in my opinion. And, you know, Steve Kerr basically put it like this. He said, it's a time-honored tradition for the select team to upset the the World Cup team or the Olympic team. And he actually pointed all the way back to that dream team in 1992 to remind people that Grant Hill and Bobby Hurley led a team uh, that upset the dream team during one of the practices. And then, of course, you know, MJ and all those guys come back and win the next day. So this is a familiar pattern, right, where, you know, the, the main team tries to get its bearings against the younger team. And, uh, you know, then ultimately they, uh, they have to take care of business the next day to kind of uh, restore order. But I would just say this about Kate as a big takeaway for you. Of anybody on the select team, you know, anybody on that roster, there is no question he was the most deserving of being on the main roster. There's no doubt in my mind if he wasn't coming off of the injury, like if he if this was an open tryout and you were just picking the best 12 players who were in that gym, Cade's in that group easily. You know, I mean, I think he's giving quality minutes this summer in the FIBA World Cup if he was on this group more than probably five or six at least of the guys who are on this current roster. All right, so I want to actually come back to that when we come back from this break. I want to talk about kind of what you just hit on at the end there if Kate was on this team, on the USA team, um, and then also talk about Kate a little bit, what we expect to see from him this upcoming season. We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, FanDuel Sportsbook. The football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every single victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. If you go right now to FanDuel Sportsbook, Detroit Lions fans, they have the Lions as slight favorites to make the playoffs. They also have them as slight favorites to win 10-plus games. I know you're not used to hearing that, but FanDuel seems to be believing in the Detroit Lions. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning more bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, Ben, you mentioned it earlier in the first segment. This was definitely like Christmas for Pistons fans. Everyone was extremely excited to hear all of this, um, to see the praise that Cade was getting. It has been a little bit of a rough, I won't say a rough two years for Cade, um, even though he obviously he doesn't want to have that shin surgery. Um, but overall, like the perception of Cade to Pistons fans, um, a lot of people have kind of forgotten about Cade a little bit because he missed his whole last season. So this whole offseason has just been about revenge tour. He's putting everyone back on notice. Like this is all Pistons fans. And Cade's kind of bought into it a little bit too. Um, this offseason, it's about, hey, I'm putting everybody back on the map. I missed this past season, but I'm still Cade. So to see this and to see the praise he's been getting was like, yeah, here it comes. It's it's on its way. Um, where I want to take this to is what you were talking about at the end there, that if Cade was on this team. So Woj reported a few weeks ago that Cade actually was offered a spot on the team but declined it because he wanted to focus on this upcoming season being ready for being 100% ready for the Detroit Pistons season this upcoming year. And then 
ended up another, uh, I believe it was the ESPN article I read yesterday, also went to about how he had an invite to play for the team, decide against it, and they asked him why he did. He chose to do that. He talked about it a little bit. Um, what I want to ask you is, and you kind of answered it a little bit, um, but I just want to ask you, if Cade would have accepted that invite, you do believe that he would have been someone, not like an end-of-bench guy for the USA team, someone, you think he would have been someone actually playing minutes? I think he would have been somebody competing for a starting spot. I, I don't know if he would have been able to get in there because typically Steve Kerr likes to favor more veteran players, but I think he would have been in the mix for that just based off his talent, his skill set. This is an interesting group because it's really made up a lot of second and third scoring options. If you look at guys like Mikhail Bridges historically, I know he, he goes to Brooklyn, puts up all these points, but in Phoenix, he's a third option, right? Uh, you know, Brandon Ingram, kind of a number two option to Zion Williamson typically down there in New Orleans when Zion's healthy, right? You go down the list, Jaron Jackson Jr., obviously he's a, a second or third option there in Memphis. And with Cade, you have a bona fide number one lead guard, lead scoring, playmaking type of guy, and they just don't have a ton of players in that mold. It's sort of like it would have been him and and maybe like Anthony Edwards and you know even a player like Jalen Brunson who has become the leader of this team, and he's going to be the starting point guard, I believe, of this group going forward, um, even over a player like Halliburton just because of his veteran controlled style, getting everything set up, good leadership intangibles, high IQ, you know, few few turnovers and mistakes. Um, you know, even a player like him, you put him side by side with Cade. I mean, that's a real choice. You know, I mean, Cade just towers over him. He's got, some, you know, some skill that uh, even a player like Brunson doesn't have. I mean, ultimately, would he have been able to crack into the starting five? Probably not. But he absolutely would have been in the rotation. I mean, you could just tell uh, how many problems he was giving the USA. Like, just imagine if he was surrounded by all those shooters going against a, a team like Span uh, Spain or France or Canada or whatever. Uh, you know, it would be really hard to keep him off the court in this spot. So, um, you know, you're talking about him being a forgotten man. I think that's the exact right phrase. It's been so long since we've seen Cade comfortable and like peak Cade, right? Like there was flashes in the first couple of years. It never was really what we were completely expecting from him coming out of uh, college. He didn't necessarily hit the ground running like sometimes these number one picks do. And based on this camp, I've never been more optimistic that he's going to have an awesome season. Like, I don't think it's out of the question to say he competes for an all-star spot because you look at that Eastern all-star group and it's not the deepest. You know, they lose Kyrie Irving to the Western Conference this past year. So I think he's going to be in the mix for that. And I don't think that's too much hype. You know, you just look at his intangibles, his pedigree, his intelligence. And one other thing I loved about him is, you know, he was having a good game on Friday. Everybody could tell, you know. And he just kept a real cool, calm demeanor. You know, it's not quite like the Damian Lillard, like no response, you know, uh, thing that he's become so famous for, of just like the ice in the veins. It wasn't quite that, but he wasn't feeling himself, right? Like he wasn't going, he wasn't reacting above and beyond. It wasn't like he was surprising himself that he was playing well. He just kind of expected to be playing well. He was doing what he thought and he was playing his own game and, and playing within himself. And I think that might be the most... um optimistic sign right like if you're a Pistons fan like you just want him to come back and pick up where he left off and be that dominant type player and and that's really what it looked like that was like the feeling of watching him uh on, on Friday's scrimmage for sure yeah and that that sounds just like Cade man I had Cade's brother on the podcast a few weeks ago I've talked with this trainer um that that's exactly the kind of attitude that he's just had this whole offseason that kind of personality and just energy that he just has vibing off of him is that you know, and that's how you've seen him play in his rookie season. Even when he had great games, he's still going to be a guy. I'm running the offense. I'm going to get my guys their shots. If someone's open, I'm going to get it to him. 
I'm not going to be too high, too low. He's always just been very level-headed. Um, you said something about surrounding him with shooters, which I want to take it to this season for the Detroit Pistons. But before I get there, I just want to ask you this last question concerning Team USA. Everyone always makes a big deal about, at least I've seen over this offseason and a few other offseasons, when you get on the select team and when you're in the USA camp, etc., you start to build relationships and then you start to see stuff maybe materialize <laughs> down a few years down the line. Did you, did you happen to see Cade maybe hanging out with a few people that, that, you know, a little more often than you expected? Well, I mean, this is going to sound like a Homer answer. Like I'm playing to you guys in the motor city, but honestly, the guy he was sitting next to when he was doing his interviews that I saw was Jalen Durant. Like they were just like side by side. And I didn't necessarily see him, dapping anybody else up or whispering behind his hands like Kyrie and <laughs> right. KD. Uh, but I'll be honest, I wasn't on the lookout for that. You know, I was I was more just trying to, you know, it's it gets kind of chaotic. I mean, when they, they do these practices, they basically just turn everybody loose. And it's like, go find whatever player you want to find to interview. And it becomes this whole game of like hide and go seek sometimes because some guys want to talk and some guys don't. So uh, it was a, a little bit chaotic, but I, I can't give you any conspiracy uh, theory fodder. All I can say is there was real chemistry on the court between him and Jalen Duran, and they seemed like they were, you know, kind of hanging out off the court too. Just side. so I want to take that now and move into Cade this season. So I don't know. Obviously, I don't expect you have watched a lot of Pistons. The Pistons have been trash. <laughs> just to keep it, keep it a, a, a buck fifty. Um, but this upcoming season, they've made a few moves, but they have. There's been a lot of criticism I've seen nationally towards Troy Weaver. And there's been a lot of questioning I've seen nationally. And it's starting to, you know, happen a little bit in the Pistons fan base. But definitely nationally, there's been a lot of, you know, questioning some of the moves that Troy Weaver has made when it comes to building around Cade. Um, You talked about how it would look if he just had shooters around him against Spain and how Steve Kerr basically said, I want to do a Luca impersonation um, in this this practice here. And my question is, it's kind of like a – a double question here. First question is, did do you believe Steve Kerr asked that of Cade because they're going to play against Luca, or is it also because he believes Cade is one is the player on the select team that would be able to impersonate that? And two, do you believe the Pistons should just be playing that way with Cade, just put shoes around him and let him let him go to work? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty proven formula, whether you go back to the Harden Rockets or the the Luka Mavericks at their peak. I mean, that's what you want, as much space as possible for your best ball handler to go to work and just go time and time and time again. And you have the luxury of already having your secondary ball handler in place and Jaden Ivey. You know, I'm pretty high on his future, especially as like a number two guy. So I think the, you know, the start of the blueprint is there for the Pistons. Now, uh, I think the thing they have to figure out is with the bigs, right? Because you have guys like say Bagley and Wiseman where they're only really going to be contributing if you're devoting a decent number of touches and a pretty good usage to those types of guys. And I don't think that's going to be very conducive with Cade Cunningham. I could see a situation where like, you know how Luca and Chris Stapp's Porzingis clashed. Like I could kind of see that with Cade and say James Wiseman where it's like, bro, like we understand you have some level of skills, but your skills are not as efficient as what can happen if the ball is just in Kate's hands all the time. So you're just kind of in the way and it's a, and it's an oil and water type situation. What I love about Duran is kind of a low usage big, right? Like he'll set the screen, he'll dive, he'll dunk. If he doesn't get the pass, he'll go for the rebound. That's kind of what you want. You know, typically we, we saw a lot of centers like that uh, play with hard. And I'm thinking of like a Clint Capella type when he was younger in Houston 
and that being a really effective inside option. So I think some of these big men that uh, Troy Weaver has has taken flyers on, it's not like it's a horrible idea because they weren't really going anywhere anyway. So you just get them into your program and see if they fit. But I'm not totally sure those guys are going to really pan out to be much once they're playing alongside Cade. The other thing I would say in Troy Weaver's defense, you take Zion off the court in New Orleans, the whole thing falls apart. You take Luka off the court for injuries, Dallas looks terrible, right? And it's like when you have players that are that ball dominant and that skilled, the entire structure does not work if they're not in the middle of it, right? So it's like you almost have to give the Pistons a complete pass for last year. It was a wasted year. As soon as Cade got injured, it's like, yeah, you could see a little growth from Ivy. You could you could test some of these other guys out. But what they're doing without Cade doesn't really matter because their roles are going to be changing and their entire lives are going to be changing once you have that heliocentric player like Cade in the mix. So, you know, to me, um, you know, like a guy like Harris, that's going to be a perfect fit. That's going to be a clean fit, right? A Bogdanovich, a very clean fit for a guy like Cade. And I think that what they've really got to sort through is the big men, right? It's like, who's actually a good Cade-friendly big man and who's not? And like, who is it just not going to work with? And you can't stick with the guys when it doesn't work, right? Don't try to force feed it. Don't try to milk it. Don't try to say, oh, we got this guy. He's a former number two pick and, and let that thing run out for three years. Uh, Cade's the kind of player who should have instant chemistry with a lot of the guys he plays with. And if it's not clicking within six months this season or four months or something like that, then I, I, to me, it's going to be time to pull the plug on some of these guys. So all of that was incredibly interesting. I, I want to come back to it when we come back from this break. But first, you guys got to hear from some of our lovely sponsors. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So before I let you go, Ben, I, I some of the things you mentioned in at the end of that answer you just gave before the last, uh, before the last break, um, this has been a little bit of, I'd say a heated discussion in the Pistons community um, about how, what is the best way to build around Kay Cunningham? Um, and I'll just give you my thoughts real quickly. And I want to get your thoughts. Um, the Detroit Pistons went and drafted a star Thompson this offseason. He's not a, a lights out three point shooter. Um, but Troy Weaver kind of said his vision after a star Thompson kind of mentioned the vision. And I've, I've mentioned it a little bit on the podcast as well, that if you look at a lot of these top teams, Yes, they have shooting, but they also have multiple guys that can ball handle multiple guys that can tack a gap, make a kick out, make a read, attack a gap over and over, just repeat over and over within an offense. You kind of saw it a lot with Denver. Now, obviously, they have Jokic that like you have to have the guy, but they had a bunch of guys who were able to make reads off of Jokic and attack gaps, like I said, and make reads off of that and make the right play. Um, and Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, Jamal Murray, heck, even we saw Christian Brown do some of that when he got some minutes in there. If you look at all the teams across the league, I feel like you get that. With Boston, they have a lot of guys that can attack off of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum's driving kicks and attack the gap. Derek White, Marcus Smart, he's not there no more. But you get what I'm saying. I feel like a lot across throughout the league, the elite teams have multiple guys who are capable of playing not just with the ball in their hands, but make decisions and and, and have high feel, if you get what I'm saying. Um so it feels like the Pistons are kind of going that way. They got Cade, they got Ivy, they got Asar, who has, I think the reason why I really love Asar is because of his playmaking and secondary playmaking and off-ball field. You got Jalen Duran, who, like you said, is a low-usage guy, but also 
is a really good passer for a center. Really nice guy, makes the right pass out of the four and three situations, diving on the diving to the basket and the rolls. Um, off the time, oftentimes when he gets an offensive rebound, his eyes are still up looking to kick back out to somebody. So they have multiple guys on their teams on their team that can make reads and kind of have a good feel with the ball in their hands and can play the right way off of each other, that kind of way. But you still need shooting. And my favorite game of Kate Cunningham's career is his rookie's year. I believe it was like January 11th against the Utah Jazz. Dwayne Casey was not in that game, so the assistant coach Rex Kalamian took over. In that game, in the second half, they went to a five-out uh, offense because Rudy Gobert was causing them so much issues in the, around the paint. And I believe Hassan Whiteside was still on the team at that point, and he was causing them a lot of issues. So they put Trey Lyles at five and said, you know what, Kate, just go get your mismatch. We're going to space the floor out and do your thing. And in that second half, he had 26 points and six assists. So the heated discussion in the Pistons community has been, is the best way to build around Cade and achieve the most success for the Pistons to just get Cade, some shooters around him, a pick and roll big, and just space the floor, let him go attack like James Harden did with the Rockets and like Luka did with Dallas. Another example I don't feel like people really bring up, kind of like how Trey Young did with the Atlanta Hawks when they made the Eastern Conference Finals. Is that the best way to go about it? Or is the NBA showing you a new blueprint where you need multiple ball handlers on a floor and the heliocentric offense isn't really the way to go. I I feel like the heliocentric offense doesn't really get the proper respect it does. Everyone says you can't win with it, but every example we've seen of it has at least made a conference finals, and if it wasn't for the greatest team ever in the the Golden State Warriors, I'd like to say James Harden probably has a ring or two, or if CP3 doesn't lose his leg in in a series, he might have a ring. Um, so I don't think that the heliocentric offenses are bad, but with that said, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on everything I just said. Yeah, you know, to me, the the Cade, Big, and three shooters is the simplest way to get yourself to be a perennial playoff team. And then once you're at that cut, then you can start to tweak and, and make adjustments and add talent and add different layers to your offense. Like, it's the old thing about you got to walk before you can run right now, and the Pistons have been crawling for a couple of years. Everybody knows that, right? So – to me, it's like, don't overthink it, right? If you can get three shooters out there, at the same time, I like that Thompson pick. You know, I was a little skeptical of those guys just because I didn't get a chance to see them when they were at OTE in person. Coming to Summer League and watching both of them, you know, uh, obviously Amen got injured, but um, there's a lot to, to Thompson's game for Detroit. I mean, there's no question about it. You talk about the playmaking. He's also not super high usage. He's not going to be a ball stopper, but you can still trust him with it in his hands. There's a chance he could develop to be a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. If he's that on offense, it's going to be amazing. And I think he's got some real defensive ceiling and, and versatility potential on that end, which you're going to need because you don't necessarily want K taking on a huge defensive burden, even though he's probably going to project as one of your best defensive players over the next five years. And then with Ivy, that's the concern for me is just the size on the defensive end and how many you know positions is he going to be able to guard. So I thought the Thompson pick fit from a positional standpoint, but also a philosophical standpoint. And I thought he did a nice job with that selection. I think that's going to be a really fun core to watch grow here over the next couple of years. Um, that's why, to me, when we're talking about what's the best style of play, like I feel like this year is kind of do or die for both Wiseman and Bagley. It's like they just feel like, you know, kind of the thumb sticking out sideways, you know, like I just don't know if those guys are going to be part of either one of the visions that you're laying out. And so you give them a chance. They're talented. You know, they they were drafted high for a reason. You see what you've got. But if you find yourself in a situation where five out is working great and you're you're not 
finding yourself boxed in because Wiseman's just sitting in the paint and everything's slowing down, trying to get him the ball, and he's making these slow decisions on offense and everything. Um, don't feel obligated. Like as soon as Dallas got rid of Porzingis, that's when they went to the Western Conference Finals, right? It's like the more space you have, typically in the last five years of the NBA, the better off you're going to be. And and so I guess I'm on that side of the debate. You know, I want to give Kate as much space as possible. And one of the reasons why I say that is this guy's bigger than most of these other players that we're talking about. Obviously, Luca's thick, right? Like, I mean, shoulder to shoulder, Luca's big. But Cade has some real height to him. He's got some real natural strength to him. I wouldn't say he's like the most explosive vertical athlete where he's just like dunking on people's head constantly. But when he gets into the paint, and if you don't have a real like Jaron Jackson, Evan Mobley type shot blocker, he's going to finish at the rim. Like he's got enough size and length and dexterity in the air to make those plays. Those plays are only possible if you're not clogging things down inside. And that's why I do put a little bit more of an emphasis on the spacing. Yeah, I so it, I don't. It's gonna be interesting to see where they go. I tend to lean more towards the spacing as well. But with Asar Thompson, I love the Asar pick. I wanted Asar at five. I just think it looks like with what Weaver said, there looks like they're trying to go with multiple ball handlers to kind of make quick decisions and kind of just that route there. Though I do, I agree with you. If you want to just win right now and kind of take the next like step, I think if you just put shooters around Cade and a roller with Duran. I think honestly, I feel like you probably could do it if you just did Cade, Ivysr, Boyan, and and Duran. I think you probably could get somewhere around that with it. But once you start running the double big stuff, it's like, come on, it's like just stop. But that's 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 all we got for you guys today, Ben. Thank you for joining the podcast, man. I really appreciate. It. Last quick yes or no? Do the Pist- Do you think the Pistons can compete for the play in this year? For the play-in, yeah. I think they're going to be in that play-in mix. They have every motivation to win this year. There's not going to be any type of like, oh, we get a benefit from tanking. I mean, that's not really going to be on their um, you know, on their plate. And I think there's going to be enough other teams that have more incentive to kind of run to the bottom that they're going to just slot into that, say, 10, 11, 12, 13 type of mix. And like I said, I think Cade has all-star potential. If Cade's an all-star, you got a shot to make the play. You know, And I, I think we've seen crazier things happen. Look at the Sacramento Kings last year, how high they jumped up, right? So it's like you only need to do like half of a Kings jump, and then you're right in the mix. All right, we'll see what happens. Pistons fans are going to love this one. Cade, all-star this year. I think we might see it. Thank you, Ben, for coming on here. You guys can follow Ben on Twitter, at Ben Golliver. Again, you guys can find his podcast, Greatest of All Time podcast as well. Um, You can also find him over at the Washington Post, National NBA writer, and also read his book, Bubble Ball Inside the NBA's Fight to Save. A season again. Thank you, Ben, for joining. Thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. Free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already hit that subscribe button, leave us a five star review whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Till next time, see you later. Stay safe. Peace out.